What if I had a very special friend? And he calls me up and he says to me, Ian, uh, I've moved to a new area. There's a new church in the area, immediate here, and they have come to the door and they've invited me to come along. They're Seventh-day Adventists. And from all that I've heard already, they appear to be as any other Protestant church. They don't have any priests. In fact, they are anti-Roman Catholic. And of course, talking to me, they would probably say, surely that would be a good thing. And I would say, well, anybody that has seen the light about Roman Catholicism is a good thing. And I would say that that certainly would be a plus. And he goes on to say they have no weird ceremonies. They have, of course, communion and baptism, although they do encourage foot washing uh, before each communion, at least in some assemblies. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and we're on the air today to bring you the message of the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. And we're on the air each day, five and five on this station. Today we come to the message on Seventh-day Adventism. We had the first part on Friday. We're airing the second part today. And uh, as I mentioned, that uh, we are concerned that this is a ministry of guilt and not of grace. And for those who sit under the ministry of Seventh-day Adventists who are pummeled with rank Arminianism, that you can be saved today, lost tomorrow, plus the Ten Commandment issue, that if you don't keep the Ten Commandments, uh, then you're going to be lost. And if you don't keep the Saturday Sabbath, then you are buying into the Antichrist and the anti-Christian system. Therefore, you're going to be lost this is guilt. The greatest doctrine of the gospel is justification by faith alone. And that's what's lacking. Uh, indeed, in all false religion, justification by faith alone is denied. I want to read to you just a little bit of what C.H. Spurgeon said about the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Any church which puts in the place of justification by faith in Christ another method of salvation is a harlot church. That means a false church. He said again, I can sympathize with Luther when he said, I have preached justification by faith so often, and I feel sometimes that you are so slow to receive it that could almost take the Bible and bang it about your heads. Oh, men are so slow to get this gospel truth. Spurgeon went on to say that the doctrine of justification by faith through the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ is the very much to my ministry what bread and salt are to the table. As often as the table is set, there are those necessary things. This is the very salt of the gospel. It is impossible to bring it, that is, justification by faith, forward too often. It is the soul-saving doctrine it is the foundation doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today I want you to pay very careful attention to my message on the Seventh-day Adventists because they do not set forth justification by faith alone as they ought. And that's the tragedy. That makes them to be a ministry of guilt and not 
of grace. But firstly, we're going to have the hymn at the cross, at the cross. And may the Lord lead you today to the joy of salvation at the cross of Calvary. Perhaps this is a lack of communication. Perhaps this is a lack of care and choice of words. Or perhaps it's to keep the people in fear. Or because it's to keep people from antinomianism. You know that you're saved and then you must work. Uh, because there is a lot of easy believism today. You know these altar calls where people in mass are brought up, just say a little prayer and you're saved. And then many just go back and they live like the devil and they think they're Christians. Now Seventh-day Adventists will not produce antinomians, easy believists, or those who are hypocrites to say, I have trusted Jesus, and then they live like the world. But where they go wrong is they talk about being justified over and over. Here is one article, and the title of it is Daily Justification. I'll read this to you. All believers who are living the Spirit-filled, sanctified life have a continuing need for daily justification. That means Christ bestowed. We need this because of conscious transgressions and because of errors we may commit unwillingly, realizing the sinlessness of the human heart. David requested forgiveness for his hidden faults. Speaking specifically of the sins of believers, God assures us that if anyone sins, we've an advocate with the Father. Now, that's all confusing language. There's elements of truth in it, but it clouds the subject. And it robs a person from the clarity, I am justified. And nothing can ever unjustify a believer that has trusted in the Lord Jesus. And of course, it is all a part of this rejection of eternal security. 
They call it a doctrine of devils. Now, I just think of the poor, sensitive person who sits under a Seventh-day Adventist ministry week by week, and they're continually bombarded about commandments, the Ten Commandments, Sabbath-keeping, Saturday Sabbath, and then this mixture of justification-sanctification where do you ever get to the point where you're saved and sure of it, which liberates the soul and sets us free to press on to serve God. Now, Romans 5, I have to come back to that tonight because it is such an important part. And I, I by no means have the time to dig into a, a major exposition of Romans 5, but I want to point out just one or two things. I talked about this standing we have in grace. Romans 5, verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. That is the result of justification by faith. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And we have access uh, also by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So the Christian has a standing in grace. That's your platform, that's your foundation, that's your security, that is your absolute fixed position. Now, the next verses go on to talk about tribulations, experience, and all those things. Now, Let's go to verse 9. Verse 9. You'll notice the words much more then. Much more. You'll notice the same words in verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved. What is the argument of the apostle here? He's saying that if while you were enemies to Christ... You were saved by the blood, justified, given this standing in grace. And that was the change from being a, an absolute sinner to being a child of God. How much more, verse 9, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. If God's grace can take a sinner from the very gutters, he can keep his child that's already reconciled, washed, cleansed. That's the how much more argument of the passage. And then verse 10, he says virtually the same thing again with all the terms of gospel doctrine. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of a son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now there is the comfort, there is the uh, presentation of assurance to any that want to know, is it well with their souls? Now, if you take that all away, you have a ministry of guilt without comfort, without assurance, that muddies the whole doctrine of justification, and because of rank Arminianism, where people are saved and then lost. Saved today, you may be lost tomorrow. It comes as a ministry of fear. Added to that, now if that was all it was, it would be bad enough. 
Because I have to admit, there are other Protestant organizations and churches that preach rank Arminianism and the saved lost doctrine. There are independent Baptists that preach saved today, lost tomorrow. They would be on the radical fringe of evangelicalism. Seventh-day Adventists come in with, a, with that very same doctrine. But then they add a few more things. Saturday Sabbath keeping. This is one of the distinctives since 1846 through the leadership of a man called Joseph Bates. After William Miller died, there were three people that came on the scene to form Seventh-day Adventism. There was uh, Joseph Bates, Hiram Edison, and then... Ellen G. White with her spirit of prophecy. And this man, Joseph Bates, he came from a Seventh-day Baptist background and insisted that in this Seventh-day Adventist organization, one of the pillars of the organization would be Seventh-day worship to keep the Saturday Sabbath. He argued it from Revelation 12, verse 17. And I'd like you to turn there just to give you a little insight to where this is coming from. Revelation 12 and verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now here's the emphasis on the commandments. Here's the emphasis on... Sabbath keeping. But I want you to notice in that text, this is the remnant church now, and the SDAs are saying they're the remnant church. And they are those who keep the commandments of God because they keep the Sabbath and they do it on Saturday. But I want you to notice there's no Saturday mentioned in this verse. In fact, I would ask you to find Saturday for me in the book of Revelation. There's no mention of Saturday here. Now, the Ten Commandments obviously are in focus. And I would have to say in honesty that I commend Seventh-day Adventists for keeping the Ten Commandments or teaching that we should keep the Ten Commandments. I am Reformed. I am Presbyterian. I am Protestant. I believe that there are Ten Commandments, not only in the Old Testament, but for the New. I believe in Sabbath-keeping. I believe that there is a day out of seven that is hallowed and holy. But why Saturday? Why this one day of the week? And Seventh-day Adventists, they make this a separate, distinctive of their denomination, divisive of other Christian churches, and it's based on a false interpretation. Now, I will not get into a lengthy uh, presentation on why we worship on the first day of the week, except to say it was the role, the model of the apostles, the earliest Christians. It was not changed by Constantine or the Church of Rome, as the Seventh-day Adventists allege. But that's another subject for another time. But the tragedy is that among Seventh-day Adventists, if you are not keeping Saturday as your Sabbath, you are, and I have to be very careful how I put this because they subtly put it this way. You do not have the mark of the beast yet. 
but you're in danger of receiving the mark of the beast when the great test comes. And of course, that test will come before the Lord Jesus comes. They don't know when he's coming. And therefore, they conclude that every Christian that worships on the first day of the week, Sunday, is in immediate danger of having the mark of the beast. And so to them, Saturday Sabbath is all important. It is a part of keeping the commandments. And if you're not keeping the commandments, well, are you keeping the faith? That now becomes the question. And to Seventh-day Adventists, the mark of the beast is Sunday worship. Now, they base that on Revelation 14. And so on one hand, they say, it won't damn you. But if you worship on Sunday, when the Lord returns, you will be found following the beast. And so they want to say that we're not telling you that you have the mark of the beast now. But if the Lord should come then you'd be lost. Now, you can't have it both ways, especially when the Seventh-day Adventists claim to be God's remnant church, specifically for the last days. And they put great emphasis on this, and they say that this commandment, keeping the Sabbath, is the only commandment which has the word remember. All other nine commandments, they do not have the word remember. And yet they, they will poke fun at churches that don't remember this Sabbath day, And of course, dispensationalists who don't keep the Lord's day as a Sabbath all day. And uh, many people, they just go to a church service in the morning and that's their Sunday over. And there are many dispensationalists who would advocate that there is no Sabbath keeping in the New Testament. And so Seventh-day Adventists, they would reply, well, here's the one commandment the Lord says, remember, and you forget it. Now, it all sounds very convincing, but again, it becomes a whole part of the guilt, the fear, and a ministry that leads people away from the liberty, the bondage, and the blessedness of security in Christ Jesus. I watched one Seventh-day Adventist evangelist, a man called Doug Batchelor, a very renowned Seventh-day Adventist teacher. He, after teaching on the Sabbath, said at the end that he himself had been sloppy about keeping the Sabbath, and he needed to confess it. And he invited his audience to also raise their hands if they had been sloppy about keeping the Sabbath. And then he led in prayer that they all should rededicate, recommit. Now, with their eternal uh, rejection of eternal security, saved and lost dogma, I began to wonder, now what happened if these people who had been sloppy about keeping the Sabbath had died suddenly, gone out into eternity? Where would they be? You see, the, the question is, when is Sabbath keeping enough? When have I done it sufficiently with all my heart? that is acceptable to God? Where is the line that a person can cross from being acceptable to being lost, rejected? Now, Revelation 14 is a a major chapter. I think we better turn to that because I don't want to rush here. I know that time's against us. The heat of the evening is against us. 
But uh, I don't want anyone to say I rushed over the point. And if you go to Revelation 14, you will see a number of verses. And this is the chapter of the three angels for Seventh-day Adventists. And in verse 9, it talks about, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand. Now, they extrapolate. Uh, maybe that's not the right word. They interpret, they with a leap of logic, make this to be worshiping on the first day of the week rather than the Saturday. Sunday worship rather than Saturday worship. And then going down to verse 12, they say, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Now, this is how you're saved. This is how you are loyal. This is how God knows that you are loyal to him and that you love God and that you want to serve God when you keep his commandments. But you'll notice in verse 14 of the same chapter, that's chapter 14, verse, uh, sorry, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Now, isn't it wonderful in this verse that God says the works do not go before them? Justification is not by works. Justification is by grace and the work of Christ for us. The works follow them. And so these faithful who serve the Lord in the heat of persecution in the book of Revelation, their works follow them. And they are rewarded for their works. And this is where Seventh-day Adventists go wrong. In gospel, biblical Christianity, you are justified by faith. And the Christian is rewarded for works. There are rewards for being a Christian. If you're faithful, loyal, and serve the Lord, you will in no wise lose your reward. But it's not works. It's not how to be justified. It's like bonus rewards. And there are uh, benefits and blessings that come uh, to the believer in heaven because of their works, and their works do follow them. Now, if you were sitting in a Seventh-day Adventist ministry, you would have a muddied, guilt trip, fear-mongering message that you must work, keep the commandments, you must prove that you're loyal on this basis. Now, I fear that many Seventh-day Adventists fall into a mixture of works, faith for salvation. And it's due to the confusing ministry that they sit under week by week with sermons like how to stay saved. Could you imagine sitting under a ministry like that on a weekly basis? How to stay saved? That would burden the heart and cause many to despair.
Thank you for joining with us here today as we have sought to put the light upon the Seventh-day Adventist ministry. Our interest is to preach the gospel, proclaim the gospel, and to lead men and women into the light and liberty of the gospel. And of course, our prayers and heart's desire is that even people within the ministry of SDA will come to the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, that they will come to the liberty of the gospel as it is in Christ Jesus. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the issue is this. If we were to add anything to faith, if we were to add any works, performance, any ceremonies, uh, prayer sessions, anything else to simple faith, then it becomes less than a perfect work. The work that the Lord Jesus did on the cross was perfect. His life was perfect. And he gives us his perfect righteousness to cover our rags of sin. But the moment that we say that once we accept Christ to be justified, now we must go on to add even one little thing, one penny, to the price of our redemption. Then we destroy grace. Grace is nullified, and we deny the very rudiments of the gospel. And so we are contending that the gospel is salvation by faith alone. This is the biblical doctrine. We are justified by faith. When the Roman jailer came to Paul and said, what must I do to be saved? The apostle said to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's it. That's it. And this is Protestant doctrine. It is Reformed doctrine. It is fundamental doctrine in Christianity. It is squared with the New Testament's interpretation of Abraham and how he was justified by faith and not by works. And while it is true that after a person is converted and brought to faith in the Lord Jesus, that there will be new life, new fruit, but that's not to be saved. That's because he is already saved. And the Christian serves and uh, honors God in all his ways in obedience, not to earn salvation or even a part of his salvation, but because he has been set free by the liberating power of of the gospel. And so I hope that you grasp this very important, essential element of the gospel. Apply it to your own heart. Live it. Enjoy it. And I trust that you will seek a ministry, a Bible-based gospel ministry that preaches justification by faith alone. That's absolutely imperative. And so may the Lord bless you, encourage you, and I trust that you'll join us again tomorrow for this same message, the final part of the message on Seventh-day Adventism. And of course, for any further information, you can go to our website. There you will get all the details. May the Lord bless you richly. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived 
by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.